Our family were music evangelists for many years. You can sit down just for a moment. Stay plugged in. Please don't unplug. But I feel like what I'm going to share with you is very important. But as I drove, I guess, out Highway 14 toward the dam and the uh, falls out there, I was reminded that back in 1973, our family, including my wife, came to Portland, Oregon to do the Southern Baptist Convention. We stayed in a KOA in our bus out here somewhere. And there were waterfalls there, and that's where we showered and got ready for each of the night services because there were many of us in the KOA. And we had our own bunks and everything on the bus, so we had a good place to sleep. It was nice and cool, nice and warm. But that was really the beginning of our family's public ministry because at that conference, we sang multiple times. And we booked a solid half of a year doing revival meetings, Sunday through Friday, Sunday through Friday. Then we did the Southern Baptist Convention in Fort Worth, Texas in January and booked another half of year. And then for the next eight years straight, 50 weeks out of the year, we ministered. I had to wait a, almost a year to get married because my brother-in-law and sister had the only other week of that year. And they got it first in June. So we got married in, De in December. That was in 73. In 1985, at the top of the music industry field. We were the first to do the Disney Worlds, the Disneylands, the Knott's Berry Farms, all of those, their revival nights, whatever they called them, the Nights of Joy. We were the first contemporary artists with Michael W. Smith and Sandy Patty and Amy Grant, Imperials. Our family did all of those meetings until October the 30th, 1985 in Winter Park, Florida, whenever I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. On the same night that God began to speak to Becky and myself in Winter Park, Florida, 3 o'clock that following morning, the Lord awakened my parents. And my dad said, I don't know why, but we've got to pray for the kids. And my dad began to pray in the Holy Ghost. He didn't know it at the time because he just began to pray in English. And as he did, this beautiful sound of heaven began to flow out of my father. So I called him the next morning to tell him what was going on back over in Florida. And he began to tell me, son, let me tell you what happened to us last night. He said, you just be open. And so October the 30th, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence speaking in other tongues. And as we began to drive back in our buses, we had two buses at that time and a tractor trailer that carried our equipment, 17 of us on the road. And as we were driving back home and I was praying in the Holy Ghost, the Lord told me to go to 2 Kings. And I thought, you know, Lord, all this is in the book of Acts. I know some of you I may have shared this last time, but I felt like it was important. But as I opened 
the word at Second Kings and began to read about Elijah and Elisha. And that powerful coat that Elisha had already had an encounter with in the field as he was plowing with his father's oxen. And as Elijah threw that coat on the young man, the fire of God fell on him and he knew that he was called of God. And so at that moment right there, he broke down that ox cart and then he butchered those oxen and he built an altar of sacrifice. What did we start with on Friday night? Building an altar. And there's a lot involved in that, but that was his moment of consecration. That he was going to leave the Father's business and, he was, and, and that safe place. Come on now. And he was going to follow the will of God. And so as I began to read, and you know the story how the young prophet on many occasions there and about three different occasions was had opportunity to walk away as the 50 sons of the prophets began to mock him. But you know the story there in 2 Kings chapter 2 as the, the whirlwind of God and the chariot of God, the fire of God came to grab a hold of the old prophet and that coat came falling to the ground. That young prophet had asked him for a double portion. And the only way he was going to know whether or not he actually had it was to grab a hold of that coat that as it floated back to the ground was to take that coat and smite the same waters that the old prophet had smote or had struck. And as he did, the same thing that had happened for the old prophet happened to him. The waters parted. And those 50 sons of the prophets that had mocked him, they said, oh... The same anointing that was on the old prophet is on this young man, and they began to ask him. I mean, it took a little time. A few days, they, they weren't sure, you know, what you do with the old prophet, all that good kind of stuff. He said, go look for him, but you're not going to find him. But when they came back, they said, here's the real reason we need the prophet. We need the voice of the Lord in our life is because there's a river that flows through our city. And everything that touches that river, it dies. Everything. And that young prophet there in 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 20 in the King James Version he tells them bring me a new cruise C-R-U-S-E and fill it full of salt and so they brought him that vessel filled with salt and then he took that vessel and he began to pour in that river and he began to prophesy not an Another time or another day shall this bring forth death or barrenness, but from this day forward it shall bring forth life. And I grabbed a hold of my wife and I said, look, because what you don't know is, is on that night before we received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, a prophetic word came to our family, to our ministry, and said this, your ministry as you know it is dead. And it wasn't that they were trying to be harsh or mean or because they were trying to rebuke us. But what they were doing was they were preparing us for what was coming. Because the moment that denomination found out that we had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they put us in their national paper. They put us on the front page of that national paper with our hands lifted and the congregation that was there with their hands lifted and said, is this what you want in your church? 
And for the next 15 years, they ostracized my parents. Had nothing to do with them. Thank God for our Heavenly Father, the Lord Jesus, because they redeem all things. 1999, with Carol and Jim Cimbala at the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church, they found out we were there at the Madison Square Garden with an evangelist that we were serving at the time. It's a great friend of ours. Brother Jim asked us to come to his church to have a conversation. He began to share the story with us that the music that our family had sung whenever he started the great Brooklyn Tabernacle Church there in Brooklyn. That back when they were just a few people, as he would drive to pick up his kids in the afternoon, they would play a song on the radio. For many years now, he's been my dearest friend that my sister sang. He said, I lived on that song for many years. And he said, now the rest is history. But he said, I want to meet your parents and I want them to come and y'all sing at the church. They did a song of ours that, that my wife and Cindy had written. And we got to sing it that day with the great Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. That was a massive thing, man. But the reason I told you all that is, is he looked at my dad that day and he said, I've got to go minister for the Southern Baptist Convention in January. And he said, I've got a great idea. He said, I think the Cruz family ought to open for me before I preach. <laughs> and my dad, he said, I don't think it's a good idea. He said, oh, no, this is, this is Brother Jimmy. He said, oh, no. He said, if they don't like it, I won't go preach. He said, I'm not going to be manipulated. But they did. They said, we'd love for you to. So as we minister, there was a song that our family did. It's called, As for Me and My House, We Will Serve the Lord. And that was one of the theme songs of our family and our ministry. If you go Google it, just Cruz Family, Me and My House, you'll see it the great Prestonwood Baptist Church back in Dallas when we sang it there. But as we sang that song that day and a couple of others they had requested, after they finished giving the family a standing ovation, which that wasn't the cool thing, but if you have to understand, my parents had been ostracized from every person that they had ever ministered for for the last 15 years. Standing at the foot of the steps Whenever my parents came off the platform, the first one standing there was Dr. Doctor, the one that was the president of the Southwestern Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. And he was weeping. And he reached out and he said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But because of the presence of God, we had to draw a line in the sand. Just like those 50 sons of the prophet with Elisha. He said, don't you know that your master is going to be caught away? He said, yes, I know, but hold your peace. Sometimes you just have to tell people, just hold your peace. All the voices, you have to tell them to just be quiet. Just shut up. The moment we received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that was the last performance that we made. Because God gave, a, gave us a revelation that, that what we do, it's really worship unto Him. 
I love you tonight, and I'm so honored that on this crazy holiday weekend that the house of God is filled. But as much as Becky and I love you, you're not our audience tonight. He's our audience. He's our audience. Becky and I served in a church for the next four years. In August of 94, the fire of God fell on our lives afresh. And so every time we come into the house of the Lord, whether it's singing the same songs we've sung it over and over, if it's a new song, or if a man of God is standing to preach the word, I have to share my amen. I have to share my spirit of agreement. When you get to be as old as we are, you've heard these messages in the Word of God, these stories in the, in the Word of God told thousands of ways. But the moment you hear the verse of Scripture, you go, I know where he's going. And I just tap in my faith to that passage of Scripture and go, God, that one's for me tonight. Lord, you're going to do something special with that one tonight. So we tap in. And that's how it stays fresh, Pastor. That's how it stays fresh. Whether it's 30,000, 300, or 30, or 3. As long as he's here, we're happy.